Welcome to your sanity safe space with your favorite YouTube podcast duo, or at least one of them. It kind of depends, and probably some rando too. But no complaining, because this is free. Free! This is Beauty and the Beta bonus audio content. Hello, and welcome to the show. You can probably tell my voice is not at full power because I have lost it all this week, but I was graciously invited to stream with YouTubers Roaming Millennial and That Guy T, as well as one of Roaming's patrons, and I would not miss that because I have too much damn respect for all parties involved. We talked about the Chicago kidnapping this week, uh, we recapped 2016, and it was my pleasure because I really enjoy the material of these guys. If you like what you hear, aside from my scratchy voice, and I hope that you will, check out their channels in the podcast description and tell them I sent you if you do. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Hey guys, this is Roaming Millennial, and uh, welcome to my first stream of 2017. With me today, I have that guy T, Matt Christensen, and Fatty Caddy. Do you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourselves? Uh, sure thing. Um, I guess first up, um, that guy T, uh, black YouTuber, um, token <laughs> sensation, and <laughs> that's about it from my end. Nice. Well, my name is Matt Christensen, fellow YouTuber. Normally, I have a decent quality voice. Not today. It is gone, but I'm going to do my best, and uh, I'm glad to be here. Uh, I am Fatty Caddy. I have two YouTube videos up, and... Uh, I give roaming money, so I showed up here. <laughs> a less awkward way of describing that is he's my patron who's also recently started his own channel. So we uh, we have high hopes for you. And everyone's uh, channel links will be in the description if you guys want to check those out. Uh, so to start off with today, I know the topic that everyone wants to be discussed is the Black Lives Matter kidnapping. Before we even started, I was getting like uh, Twitter mentions and you know the, even the chat of the the uh, stream page, which hadn't started yet, was uh, just full of people asking if we were going to talk about it. So here we are talking about it. Um, now, first off, I th about the hashtag, uh, I just want to clarify that I, I know that this wasn't actually people who were affiliated with Black Lives Matter. I know uh, some people have been getting angry on Twitter about it being associated with Black Lives Matter. Yeah, these people but, uh, didn't do it right. They had to shout out, we are Black Lives Matter for its count. <laughs> They forgot the shout out. But I mean, like, what, what do you guys think? Do you think it was like motivated by Black by by Black Lives Matter? I mean, in the sense that anything that Black Lives Matter has done is motivated Black Lives Matter because you know they pride themselves on not being a you know actual cohesive movement. You know, of such it's kind of like a fringe. You know, just collection of different people who all just kind of come under the same banner when when they see fit. Um, and you know, every it seems like everyone within Black Lives Matter has their own specific motivations and what they do and how they act. So, um, personally, I think that, um, even if you know the core like cause or whatever you would say that Black Lives Matter represents wasn't you know in line with these um acts, I do think that the rhetoric that they've been pushing lately and the um, just the overall um. I guess like not really their philosophy because I don't even know, I don't know if they have philosophy, but 
just the overall message that they're spreading, um, the overall anti-white sentiments, um, frankly, I think I think that did motivate and especially especially in affiliation with the whole um, strong anti-Trump thing. So I think that may have played a role. Yeah, I, I don't I don't have a problem with connecting the rhetoric to this incident, but I do. I think if we're going to be objective, I think the hashtag implies a more direct connection than actually exists. I mean, if, if we were to flip this and let's say, you know, white people attacked a black guy and there was no connection to Trump at all, but they still said Trump supporters attack black guy. Well, we don't know that. I you think there would also be like a KKK connection there because they right. always love well, perhaps yeah. throwing that right. in there. It's buzzwords. And, uh, yeah, and I mean, just, just just so like I know that someone has already asked in the chat. Uh, I'm calling it the BLM kidnapping just because that's what everyone is calling it, right? I mean, that's kind of officially what it's known as right now. Uh, whether or not like it's actually true, as far as I know, they haven't found any outside connection to BLM with any of the the people that were involved. It's nice to know All they're right. just shitty people. And if they did, I mean, yeah, to be I think clear, so. sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, even if even if they found, let's say, Brittany Herring's Facebook has Black Lives Matter mentions on it, or she likes the pages or whatever, that's still going to be denied. Oh, she's she's just you know a person who likes it. She has nothing to do with the group. She has nothing she's to do with the Black movement. Lives Mattering it wrong, right? So, yeah. but I mean, personally, I like. I mean, they're they're always going to be racist. They're always going to be extremists, and I, you know, I don't blame really the. I don't know, the Black Lives Matter movement for this happening. I, you know, I'm not going to say like, oh, leftists are responsible or this group is responsible because I think these were just individuals who were disturbed and racist. And I mean, you know, I, I haven't, as much as I like to rag on, you know, SJWs, SJWs and regressives, I haven't heard any of them say, hey, kidnap a mentally handicapped person and torture them. But what I do find disappointing is the way that uh, the reaction has played out by a lot of people, you know, especially on the media, like, you know, even if, if I don't think that they condone it necessarily, like I, it seems a lot like there's a lot of uh, trying to justify or, I don't know, almost make excuses for what happened, Stay, staying clear of call, calling it a hate crime. Yeah, they're, they're like trying to like minimize like sig the significance of the action, you know, just saying, I think Don Lemon um, on CNN when he was reporting on it last night said something along the lines of, you know, and I don't, somebody, Think somebody on the panel made a comment that they think this is evil and act of evil and dumb. like i don't think it's evil i think it's just you know kids doing stupid yeah. stuff you know just being kids you know bad bad um bad you know um bad parenting and shit it's like even if even if bad parenting was a factor which i'm most certainly sure it was yeah um it, it doesn't deny the fact that these people, you know, if they're 18 fucking years old, you know, even if you want to call them kids, teens, whatever. They're adults. You know, yeah, they're adults and they, they have agency. You know, you can't you can't continuously, you know, try to export blame onto someone else, um, you know, to try to like shield these people from any type of responsibility. I mean, I mean, it's like it's like they're admitting that, yeah, what they did was wrong. But let's see what whose fault was it really like, like who's yeah. really to blame for this it, it, other than the actual perpetrators? You know who was m more awful because Don Lemon in, in that conversation was actually rational in comparison to uh, Simone Sanders. I believe her name is the Oh, former. God, I, I know. her. I didn't see the whole conversation. Oh, my God. You got to watch it because 
the context of him saying that this isn't evil is some it was the other guy on the panel saying, well, I don't think this is evil. He's like, ah, or he said, I do think this is evil, pure evil. He said, I don't know if it's evil. It's just bad parenting. Simone Sanders was saying, we need to understand this in the context of basically the white nationalist KKK setting. Is she the black setting. lady with the curly hair? Uh, she's the one who said, um, we don't need white people running the oh, DNC. Yeah, yeah. I, she's I the one that. who said uh, poor white people in response to the, the Trump guy being drug out of the car and beaten. But her whole point was that the, what we saw on tape, this whole kidnapping was in response to the environment that Trump and white nationalists have created. So because they have been made fun of, put down, oppressed, whatever you want to call it, that this is a reaction prompted by the white nationalist conspiracy that runs this country. Yeah. And to me, that is, that is more, I guess, more telling about regressives than the actual attack, because again, these were four individuals. who I think, you know, were just radicalized. So I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, Hey, BLM did this or, you know, social justice did this, but at the same time, as a result of this, I think we're seeing some very questionable, I guess, rationalization going on. And I think that's in some ways like not more disappointing, but just more reflective of society right now. Like, I don't think as a society, we all of a sudden think it's okay to kidnap and beat white people, but I do think we rationalize things like this in order to fit the oppression narrative. Although the, the one thing I was pleased to see is I was expecting this to be much more swept under the rug than it actually was. Like the leading into that CNN segment, they covered all of the facts of this, including playing the tape. And they didn't really sweep under mm -hmm. the rug the racially charged commentary mm -hmm. or the anti-Trump commentary. I turned on the news this morning. It was like story three, same thing. It was uh, in the national section of the New York Times today. Like, you know, there people have small debates about whether they were quick enough to call it a hate crime or whether some of the coverage was as precise as it should have been. But the fact that it was covered anything close to objectively at all, I still consider to be a media win considering the, the media I really think that we've this seen is the a last massive year. media loss because like I've been seeing posts all over today that have a very good point. If the races were reversed, this would be like an international story. Agree on that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, that true. is true. Though there, there is, um, there is one story that did happen. Um, I don't know how recent it was. I think it was, I think it was in the last month or so. Um, that I was surprised I didn't hear about until, you know, someone brought up in comparison to this, you know, um, where it was a story in um, Idaho, I think, of, uh, I don't know if it's one or two students, two white students who um, who jumped and beat up and um, uh, a mentally um, disabled black guy. And they were, you know, shouting racial epithets and things like that at him. And apparently they... Um, they use a coat hanger to um, sodomize him in some fashion or something like that. And I, I, I was really shocked that they didn't get any coverage. Um, not, not only in terms of, you know, just it being a um, pretty relevant um, story, especially in terms of like the um, racial climate that we have right now, but also just because, you know, with, with the media, you know, desperately trying to latch on to this, you know, white nationalist, you know, um, rise of the KKK, rise of racism narrative, I would think they would have, you know, hopped on board with that like ASAP, but it, 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 that one was just like a miss for some reason. When did this allegedly happen? I think I've seen it circulating, but I haven't I, looked into it. I want to say um, it was about, I want to say it was, it was sometime within the past two months, I'm sure. Okay. Um, 
but I'm not exactly sure of the exact date. I think it may have been early December, but I'm not sure. Did they say anything about a political or racial? Well, there was a racial motive to it, like this. There was a or? racial motive. Some okay. people saying that he was a, the the um, the high schooler. There was there was high school kids. Some people were saying that he was a Trump supporter. There's really I haven't seen any sources verifying that or saying that he even mentioned Trump and his motivations. It just yeah. apparently they just didn't like the guy and he was just being racist in his assault. I have a question for this panel, if Roaming will allow me to pose it. Go for but, it. Uh, and maybe it's too too meaty for this. You want to move to something else. But what what do you guys think about the concept of hate crimes? Like, all this aside, should hate crime be a thing? By which I mean, if there's a bias motive for a crime, should it carry an additional penalty, which is in play? Right. So, like, if case. I if I lynch someone because I dislike them, versus I lynch someone because they're i don't know african-american and i hate blacks sort correct of like should there be a difference in the penalty of the crime well, yeah um personally actually i think no i mean because any any crime or you know violence against someone is going to be motivated by hate and why are we why are we distinguishing hate based on superficial traits in that way to me yeah. i've never really understood why we make this that distinction i agree in terms of um you know with like especially with like sentencing and, um, you know, in terms of like what, like um, varying degrees of, you know, how bad the crime is. Um, I, don't, I don't think hate really plays a relevant factor in, you know, whether a crime is worse than another, you know, if someone, you know, killed somebody because they had on ugly shoes or someone killed somebody because they had ugly skin or something. Yeah. It's, it's the same. It's, you know, it's the, it's the, the crime is the same. So I think the act should be treated the same in accordance to the law. But I do think that there is maybe some relevance in terms of like defining it as a hate crime, not in terms of um, changing the sentencing or anything, but just as the relevance to the case um, and maybe going forward, you know, employers or someone going forward may want to know, you know, was this racially motivated, you know, going forward, if there's another investigation in this person, there may be relevant information, you know, if they have a, um, a past historic bias. And I think that is relevant to add to, um, like their criminal record if they do carry out a hate crime but in terms of like sentencing or anything like that i think it's irrelevant yeah and i think the the whole mentality we have this focus on hate crimes another problem is that it i don't know yeah it, it's being applied not consistently and i think that's that's a problem because i know in canada you know there was this woman i think she punched someone while saying i hate white people and she didn't know that woman at all and the judge ruled it not a hate crime and like like i said before i'm not you know in favor of the idea of hate crimes but at the same time you know if we're going to use them i think that's a pretty clear cut case of i well, yeah uh, oh, you can go ahead oh um i i will say to your point i'm glad <clears throat> to see this being applied somewhat equal uh, to the extent the laws are on the books in Illinois. I'm glad to see it applied in this case, but I'm with you guys that I don't necessarily think the motive should carry additional penalty. The one thing that is interesting is uh, I keep referencing the CNN panel, but Sim, uh, Simone Sanders was making the case. We shouldn't call this a hate crime right away because we don't know what the motive was, even though in the footage it's abundantly clear that there was a racial motive to it. But that point aside, 
but she says, you know, hate crime has to be because of uh, race, gender, um, uh, disability. She also lists religion. And then she says, but you can't do a hate crime because of a political motive. It can't be a hate crime because of a political motive. I don't understand how a hate crime can take place against someone for their religious belief. But if but it's for a political for belief, that's not a hate crime. And that's the definition that she laid out. It's two, they're both philosophies. I understand yeah, if you make this case in the. Yeah. Right. Like if it's like, hey, you know, I, I'd hate you on account of your race. Well, that's innate, you know, your gender. That's allegedly innate. But we can have that debate, too. Um, well, you know, it's, it's, it's the same logic applied to, um, to other, you know, um, concepts like that, like in terms of like anti-discrimination laws. Like, um, you know, you can't discriminate based on race. You can't discriminate based on religion, but you can discriminate based on political preference in, yeah. um, in many situations. And I think that's because. You know, it's, it's, in terms of race, I kind of get it because, you know, like you said, like people can't, you know, choose what race they have. So I understand the rationale behind it. I don't agree with it, but I just understand the rationale. But, um, you know, with, with religion, you know, that's that's not something that's, you know, innate to a person, you know. I mean, regardless of, you know, how, how strongly you believe in your faith, religion is something that can be adopted and shifted and changed, you know, depending on, you know, what, what's your, what's your um, mindset is, you know, in the same way as your political preference, you know, you may be born into a Christian household, but, you know, you could also be born into a conservative household or a liberal household. And, you know, to make that distinction to where religion is some sort of protected class, um, but political affiliation isn't. Well, religion it, it, is protected it, under like tax benefits and stuff like that too. Right. But I mean, just in terms of what, what you can and can't discriminate on. Like, I personally think that you should be able to discriminate based on, on any criteria. Like if, I don't know, as an individual or even as a business owner, no, I'm, I'm serious. I don't think the government should mandate acceptance. I think, you know, if you, yeah, I agree with owner, you. for example, like you shouldn't, you should be able to, in my opinion, not hire someone because they're a woman, but like, I mean, that's neither here nor there, but yeah. Sorry. Did you want to say something? Uh, like IT? No. Oh, no, no. I, I was just in agreement. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> maybe just like very polite protests, I thought. but Maybe like yeah, I, I, the way they're going with hate crimes is the idea like behind like a crime of passion and whatnot. Like it's a circumstance that changes the crime in some way. Because like, can't you get a lesser sentence for crimes of passion than like unattended that, acts? Not, you know. That, yeah, that speaks more to motive and how how invested you were in committing this crime. Whereas, like I, I you know, hate crimes. As far as I know, it, it makes the sentencing worse. So I don't know, like, why me hating someone based. I mean, I, I guess it makes sense that, like, obviously racism is worse than just hating someone. But I don't know if yeah. it should be in terms of like sentencing and everything. Well, it just it blows my mind that in her mind, let's and obviously in this case we had them saying, you know, holding the guy at knife point saying. Uh, you know, F Trump, like you need to say F Trump. Okay. And that's not a hate crime in her mind because it's about politics. But if they had said, you need to say F Jesus or F Muhammad. Oh, that's a hate crime. Oops. Sorry. <laughs> Flipping my stuff here. But yeah. I, I can't, I can't get past that bizarre distinction. It makes no sense. But anyway, I don't mean to derail the conversation too. And far I'll, I'll throw this in too. Um, this is just like an aside, but um, is it, is it just me or is it like, Black Lives Matter is like the most 
pussy-footed terrorist organization ever. Like they, they never Ooh. claim responsibility for their attacks. Oh, <laughs> shut like tired. My God. Not even good at their extremist goals. Yeah. <laughs> they should be like ISIS and claim this right yeah, away. Yeah, I mean, if Islamists yeah. a nightclub, yeah. ISIS is on the phone in like 20 minutes. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a good I, point, I, I like man. Those, uh, yeah, I mean, if... Yeah, that's I, true. I, I, say, I like terrorist groups, but I find it interesting how some terrorist groups, they're like the exact opposite. Like, yeah, we did it, even if they had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I, ISIS I, has like... Obama on speed dial, they're like, yep, that's us. We did that. <laughs> yeah. So, wait, do, do you ISIS. classify Black Lives Matter as a terrorist group when you think of them? Um, For me, uh, I mean, they're in like a different classification of terrorism, in my opinion. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's not like, like they're not like physical terrorists, you know, they're not like, you know, going out in mass and, you know, destroying property, you know, at, at least not in the name of their political movement. Like, you know, like organizations like Antifa, they, they go out and they actually destroy property and beat people in the name of Black Lives Matter under their banner. And that that's what they stand for. You know, organizations like ISIS, you know, they actually perpetrate um, Islam, you know, because of that. I mean, they perpetrate um, like terrorist organizations because in the name of Islam, so Black Lives Matter. I don't. I don't think their intention, um, whether, whether it be you know, I don't, at least not their overt intention, um, is to like cause terror. But they're um, they're kind of like ideological terrorists, in my opinion. And I know, I know that's that's kind of strange, you know, because it goes into like the realm of like borderline like thought criminals almost. And you know that mm -hmm. that's um, that's a slippery slope that you know we've seen. Um, taken advantage of pretty often. But if you look at their rhetoric, you know, the um, the things that they're pushing and the, the ideas that they're spreading are incentivizing and um, motivating these types of um, actions, whether it be this, um, I mean, regardless of whether or not there was a direct link between this latest Chicago um, incident, you know, there's, there's most definitely um, a link in regards to the um, what was it? Dallas, Dallas, Texas incident where the guy actually shot, you know, um, white police officers in, in the name of Black Lives Matter. So, um, yeah, the track record's not good. There's, uh, I mean, we, whether or yeah. not they're calling, we got Baltimore, we got Milwaukee, we got Dallas, we got, uh, I mean, there, yeah, there are several the, cities you know, to name. For, for the, for the ones who were constantly seeing, you know, come out, you know, in terms of people defending them saying, ah, oh, they're just peaceful protesters. They're not that known for peacefully protesting. Right. I mean, if you, <laughs> yeah. if you define terrorism as violence in pursuit of a political aim, uh, they might they might mask it a little bit, but they've got a strong track record of violence in pursuit of a political aim. Do they? Yeah, have and any... I think it's not, it's not just the violence, it's, it's the creation of fear. And I think, you know, if like perhaps even more so than the violence, in my opinion, is that because, you know, the violence isn't necessarily inherent to the Black Lives Matter platform. But even if, if you just look at their, you know, their official manifestos, they are consciously trying to create that environment of fear to you know, obtain their political goals. And in this case, it would be, you know, fear of the police if you're a black person or, you know, fear of the fact that you're still being oppressed and marginalized by white society, you're trying to, you know, I guess, propagate these ideas in, in any person of color who's listening. I think that that's almost as dangerous because, you know, <laughs> you can have an anti-terrorism task force that stops that, but you can't really do anything when it's 
you know, the culture wars is sort of like that idea, you know, uh, ideas are more dangerous than weapons. If we don't have, let our enemies have weapons, why would we let them have ideas in my opinion? Yeah. And um, I'll pose this to you guys too, you know, at what point do you classify something as a terrorist organization? Because I mean, most people say, you know, once, once the movement starts, you know, committing violence in, in the, um, in regards to political aims, uh, political pursuits, but with Black Lives Matter, um, there, I, th I think I think the um, plausible deniability that that they maintain is what keeps them from being a distinguished terrorist organization, because whenever mm -hmm. somebody does commit violence in their name, they're quick to denounce it. They're quick to say this was not a part of our platform. It's not as a part of our um, element. We don't stand for this, even though they come out and they kind of hint at condoning it and justifying it and excusing it. You know, they still say you know this isn't what we're about. So, do you think that there's a point that even if they um, deny it, that there's still some legitimacy to actually like dictate that they are still a terrorist organization, even if they deny that they are? Well, see, in my opinion, there's almost, I see two different Black Lives Matter, right? Because you have the official Black Lives Matter, you know, with the fancy website that promotes art projects and that has that really long manifesto. And then you have the amorphous Black Lives Matter that, you know, hashtags on Twitter. And I think most of the people who are in, you know, the protests and riots, they're not officially linked to this official organization in any way. And I think the way it's evolved, it, you know, we can't really say like, this isn't Black Lives Matter necessarily because it's not the official organization. So I don't know, like, because it started out as something official with, you know, official leadership and membership, it's really hard, you know, to say what is and what is not terrorism. Because if you look at the larger movement, then yeah, it fits a lot of the different, you know, checklists. But, hmm. I was I'm thinking with three strikes, three strikes, and you're a terrorist. They've <laughs> left it. They've left a trail. I just have to. I, that's gonna. I mean, if you've got three, if you had a. Okay, every time one of their events happens, there is usually there been any a violent result. Events like Arthur right. That's what I'm saying, and 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 I'm qualifying like vandalism, property destruction within the umbrella of violence, not just yeah. death mm -hmm. or injury. Um, everyone has to your point. I'm trying. I'm trying in good faith to remember a case where. Wait, we can Google it right now. Yeah, I, I want to know like a a peaceful, not not just a rally, but let's say a response to something they're protesting. Like obviously they protest police shootings. Um, I don't know of any of those that have uh, not gone south. Well, as, right. as far as I know, the Dallas protests before, of course, the shootings were peaceful, I think. But then, of course, the shooting happens in the... Uh, Right. And actually, if I remember Dallas correctly, that was completely unprompted by police violence. That was police protecting their own demonstration that was not prompted by police violence. And they took out a cop who was just or a cop or two who were just there. If I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm trying. Um, yeah, I, I would. Yeah, like, I didn't was, they was... like kill a black cop, too? It was like. I'm pretty sure one of the cops that died was African American. Probably. Was that the one in um in New Orleans where they ambushed them? Hmm. No, I, I thought in Dallas that one of the cops they killed was African American. Let's look it up. Yeah, I don't I don't think so, but maybe. See, my major problem with Black Lives Matter is that when black people are in trouble, they don't care unless it fits their narrative. Like and that really pisses me off. Like in trouble how? Like just socioeconomically? 
No, not just socioeconomically, which that's a whole different issue, which I think there is an argument for systematic oppression under certain things that have been done in this country, but they never talk about them for some reason. But there's like, uh, there was like black on black crime, as it's called, which is just crime. But in ghettos, there's tons of people getting shot and they're never like, let's clean up our streets. That's, yeah, that's the thing about Wet Lives Matter. As a like, I live really close to Camden. I don't see them down there saying, let's get this guy who's selling marijuana and crack off this street corner. Well, keep, keep the marijuana guy. The crack guy maybe can go. But. <laughs> well, but the thing is, it's the windows approach. Like, you have this one broken window. Why not break another window? Like, right now, it's illegal in my state. So it's still breaking the law. I mean, I don't really have a major problem with marijuana, but mm -hmm. it's still illegal. Yeah. And I think the act of prohibition does play a, a significant role in regards to um, to why marijuana is such a problem in some communities. But, you know, even beyond that, you know, and pe people say this often, you know, and I've, I've come to agree with it as well. You know, even even if the drug war was um, ended tomorrow, there are still like really heavy, significant cultural issues with um, within black America, especially within um, um, urban black America, like inner cities. So that 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 ending the drug war won't fix. Um, I agree. There are there are strong cultural um like there's the cultural decay pretty much. It, it's it's something that you know I, I'm I'm worrying. I'm trying to see like if it can even be salvaged. And I think there is a way that can be salvaged. But Black Lives Matter isn't really interested in actually um promoting change or promoting um reform within their culture. Yeah. They're trying to maintain the toxic elements of their of the culture that's that's causing these problems while still trying to find a path to to solve it at yeah. the same time. And, and that's my big issue, man. Like points on police violence aside, you can debate the justifiability of each individual shooting. You can debate some of the stats. If Black Lives Matter came to me with a shred of introspection and said, we believe that there's a problem with racially motivated violence, but we acknowledge the role that our cultural decay has played in creating this, or we acknowledge the role that the breakdown in the family has played in this, or we acknowledge the, that we have a problem with crime in these communities and we want to fix it. Great. Let's fix it. We all share that goal. But instead, it's fingers pointed everywhere all the time. Yeah, your like, fault, your fault, your fault, oh, right. your fault. And I think it's Sorry. You know, when you read their list of demands or their manifesto, I think that that's exactly it. And it's so clear every every demand they have or every policy suggestion they make it. It's completely to absolve responsibility of any wrongdoing on, you know, on the part of, you know, people who are in jail. And that's that's not to say that I approve of the, you know, the current prison system or the just, you know, everything the justice system does. But at the same time, I think you do need to acknowledge that there is a problem, you know, in these in these in a lot of these communities. And you just blaming government or seeking government assistance isn't gonna isn't gonna help individuals and families solve these problems. The one memory that sticks in my mind is when this was going crazy this summer. I thought, well, am I just not hearing everything they have to say? So I went to the website you're talking about. Their manifesto is nuts. Yeah, and I yeah, went to it. And I was like, yeah. okay, well, maybe uh, maybe they have these introspective thoughts, and I'm just missing them. Let's go check it out. So I went to like the section. There was a section on family, and I was like, okay, great. It was going to be a discussion about, about the breakdown of family and stuff. Instead, what it said is um, that the that the nuclear family is a product of Western prescribed patriarchal structure. 
I mean, that's what it says on there if you go look at it. It's not only like we have a problem with the breakdown of the nuclear family, but the nuclear family is a destructive force. That's their position. It's a destructive force, and we need communal families. That's yeah, the position. Communal? What the? Yeah, it's like it's like the village to raise a child idea. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah. it's, I think it's, they, it's, they actually use that exact that exact phrase. Yeah, it, it, it basically stems from the same type of, you know, um, like collectivist Marxist thinking that, that you know, that I, I don't want to keep bashing the left all the time, but it's prevalent on the left and it's, um, it's prevalent in a lot of um, black communities which are controlled by the left. It's this idea that, you know, it's not about individuals, you know, bettering themselves, it's about the, the community coming together and everybody playing their part to collectively, you know, better everyone and that doesn't work <laughs> that's a flawed system um, yeah this is a problem <clears throat> one of my neighbors is very people are good you just let them alone and they'll like help each other and i really think this is an absolute load of crap just people are out for themselves if there were no laws i would be a very violent person because okay. i could get things that i want without having to work for them and I think a lot of people would be that way. I don't know if they'd admit it or they'd get crushed pretty quickly because society is there to keep people from being bad. We don't have stoplights because if you take them away, everyone will just be in a lockup and they won't be moving saying, go ahead, you go first. I'll just wait here for the next 12 hours. <laughs> That's not how society works. We don't have firemen because the moment something gets caught uh, catches on fire everyone lines up in a bucket line and starts dousing it they start watching because it's cool <laughs> like and we wouldn't need police because when someone is like getting raped people wouldn't just stop and stand still people would try to stop they, like people aren't good and that's something that the left doesn't understand people aren't there to like they're out for number one 99.9 percent .9 of the time well, I don't think, you know, thinking that someone isn't like, I, I think I agree that a lot of the, you know, the principles that like, for example, Black Lives Matter advocates with this, you know, the communal concept of like, yeah, let's all raise our children together as like one mega family village type thing. I think that that speaks to idealism. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think necessarily that if, you know, there were no laws, it would be like Mad Max, at least uh, maybe if everyone's like Peter. I don't know. Maybe I would just be like the uh, the slow idiot who uh, is like last to grab her pitchfork and start looting. But, yeah. um, but moving on, I I wanted to ask you guys what your favorite moments were of 2016, or what was most memorable. Because I mean, and I think this conversation has kind of reflected that there's been a lot going on last year. We had the election. We've had you know increasingly bad race relations in the U.S. I, I mean, Brexit. It's, it's just been pretty crazy. So what, what were your favorite moments? Or I guess least favorite, most memorable. That's a better way to put it. Uh, well, for me, let me see. I don't know. I, I think I have different moments in different categories because I, I can't boil down one overall. But my, my favorite political moment, um, my most memorable political moment was um, it has to be um, Hillary Clinton's loss. That, that's, <laughs> not not even Trump's victory, but Hillary Clinton's loss. Her loss. Yeah, yeah. Th that that was uh, that was incredible, and the the pure awe of it, in which you know the left, you know they they pulled out every stop 
they they thought they had everyone on their side. They thought that they made every solid argument of why Trump is just the most evil, awful person that can never set foot in the presidency. And they failed. And that was um, that was for me a beautiful thing to see. And and like a lot of people said, they were hoping that um, the left would learn from it and you know go forward and you know try to reform their ideas. Not going to happen, in my opinion. Uh, you know, you see, see maybe like one or two, someone you know come in and say maybe maybe we should stop you know doing this dumb shit and you know maybe we'll have more success. You know, they're they're doubling down, and yeah. I, I wish them luck with doubling down because because if they continue to double down, they'll continue to fail, and I'm all for that. <laughs> And the smart right, ones are like describing that, getting ostracized. That, uh, so. I think it was an SNL skit where, you know, they had the whole Tinder thing with a bunch of genders, like, i.e., why the Democrats lost the election. And, uh, you know, instead of just be like, aha, yeah, that's right. That's why we did lose. I, there was just like this Twitter firestorm and everyone was so upset. And it's like, this is exactly what the joke was making fun of. I think that's so true. You know, when you call people racist, so they vote against you. Of course, the best thing to do in response to that say they voted that way because they're racist like obviously i like i like the strategy it works for me i think the most surreal moment for me politically there were a lot of moments this last year where i just kind of had to pause and appreciate the fact that what i was witnessing was real and genuine one of those being hillary's alt-right speech but pepe the the, the pepe page <laughs> that came out and denouncing pepe like i this is the favorite to win the presidency of the United States worried about a cartoon frog. I could not believe this was a real thing. It blew my mind. It amazed what, me. What, what, what was so surprising to me is that that speech had probably been looked over by uh, at least five to ten people, you would yeah. think. And apparently not one of them knew how to internet or how to meme. Yeah. Which, <laughs> not one of them. Yeah. They, they've become entirely humorless. That is part of the downfall of the left. They are entirely humorless. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And they'll probably never reveal it because that person will never have a career ever again. But I don't know who managed Hillary's like, I, I know they I know they had to have like a dedicated um, meme campaign team, like to put out her memes. They were so cringy and awful. I don't know who they hired to, to like, I, 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 Some, <laughs> something was awry with their social media because the other thing I remember, my favorite tweet of the year was Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton's tweet on her birthday, which I think was October 26th. And it said, happy, happy birthday, birthday to this. Birthday. Yeah. To this future president yeah. with a picture of her. As a, <laughs> it's like, first off, it's very presumptuous. Second off, you're wishing yourself a happy birthday. I get it's the intern doing it. It's not her. Yeah. But, but it's weird. It's just weird. It's yeah. Yeah, I, so much of that campaign was was very cringy. And it's interesting because usually, and you know, I say this as someone who is a Republican. The Republicans have, you know, the the old dad joke sort of campaign. You know, they they are not good with the the youth culture usually. Um, but in, in this case, there were so many times during Hillary Clinton's campaign where I was just like, the cringe factor was un unbelievable. Like that Pokemon go to the polls. That. I, oh my god! I remember I was playing Pokemon Go at the time. I stopped playing when I heard that. <laughs> their, their stock just crashed. I literally so, could not fathom playing it. Remind me exactly what happened. Hillary said that, or what was the? Context? It was on the Ellen Show. She's okay. like, no, I don't, I don't think it was the Ellen Show. I, or the the one I'm thinking of. It was like she, she. I think she was at a rally. 
No, I, I'm pretty sure it was on some talk show. Yeah, just, and she was like, I hope you Pokemon Go to the fold. No, she said, I heard about Pokemon Go, but I hope you all Pokemon Go to the polls. And it was. She probably lost just enough votes that day to seal the deal, I think. <laughs> that was probably yeah. it. Yeah, I, uh, personally, for me, uh, the. Uh, because, I mean, the election was pretty crazy, and I remember just this, you know, surreal feel like, huh, it, it actually happened. Because, you know, as much as I didn't want Hillary to win, I didn't think she would actually lose. But for me, even more than that was was Brexit. And I, you know, I don't even live in the UK. Uh, but at the same time, I thought it was, you know, it was just crazy because as much as people were saying Trump would never win, I think the idea that Britain would leave the European, Un- U- European Union was just unthinkable for a lot of people. For yeah. me like the biggest things were the emails like each individual like dump of emails that came out from wikileaks you're talking about that russian propaganda (laughs) (laughs) yeah since russia totally did that that's sarcasm everyone do not think that russia did that there's no evidence linking that they have denied it which of course they would but that's besides the point there's no reason to think that yeah, I'm sorry. That, it really triggers me because we have this sovereign country. Let's say that they did release emails. Worst case scenario. You're telling me that they released truthful information to the public? Oh, my God. What are you doing? Like, Yeah, it's just the same thing when people, like, when people got pissed at Snowden. You know, it's like, oh, my God. Snowden, Snowden, Snowden is a patriot. Snowden yeah, he, is he revealed one. that our government is spying on us. How dare he? <laughs> like, what country yeah, what, what are we living in? Yeah, like I, I, had, I loved how during the election in response to all of the email leaks, like uh, Hillary Clinton never never denied anything that happened. Her response, was, you know, or her campaign response was always like, Russia is doing this to sabotage the election. <laughs> like, how dare they expose your corruption in order to sway our vote? Like, I, I didn't get what the the argument they were trying to make was. Like, regardless it's not of their intention. bad because we got caught. That, I, I just don't get it. So I knew someone back when Snowden was like, a big thing and before the email leaks had happened he was like government's watching you they check all your emails like all that shit and i was like you're crazy and he was like i'm telling you they do it and uh like he he's a hacker and he's actually pretty good so like sometimes he'd have like documents look pretty legit and like they'd say some pretty crazy shit and i was like this is crazy shit it's a bunch of bull and uh i'd call him crazy all the time and so then the snowden thing happens and I walk up to him. It was like the first time we'd interacted after it. And he was like, I told you so. And I was like, you did. And I just didn't like know what to say then because he was right the whole time. Like, he, it's the insane man. The sane man in an insane world looks insane. And like, why would you think your government is spying on you? It's... That that actually brings me to something that I wanted to ask you guys. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about it online, but do you think that Trump, there's any chance that Trump is going to pardon either, you know, Snowden or Assange, Chelsea Manning? I hope he does all three. I don't think he'll pardon Snowden or Assange for that matter. He he might part he might pardon Manning, but um, I, that, that's that's depending on if there's enough physical pressure to um, warrant him doing so, which I, I don't know if there will be. Um, but I, I think I think Snowden's pretty comfortable um, staying in Russia. I, I, don't, I don't think I don't even think Snowden really has 
too much of a desire to return to the United States at this point. I mean, he obviously loves his country. Like, yeah, he loves the country, but you know, this country, like, not not his country, but the, the um, the that man had he, he was making like two hundred and fifty thousand plus per year. He was living in Hawaii. He had a girlfriend, which is amazing by all accounts, and he <laughs> gave all of that up to because he cared about his country. Like, you don't do that just because you're some twat. Like. I think the point is that, like, you know, in the current political cl climate, whether he loves his country or not, like, I think there's, if, if I were Ed Edward Snowden, I wouldn't feel welcome or safe in the United States. Well, and you're telling me you feel welcome and safe in Russia? I mean, now, I'm welcome, yes, but safe? Like, well, for Snowden, I'm pretty sure he's pretty comfortable. Okay. Yeah. He's keeping him comfortable. I would give him a job if i was putin i mean that's how they did it they hired snowden to hack into the <laughs> oh my god you've no god i just i hope no one actually hears that because that was... how about you matt do we get to you your favorite moment of 2016 oh well i'm i'm still sticking to um the it's not a moment but the hillary pepe like hillary article pepe, oh yeah, thing i'm sticking with that for now but i don't know i had such a good time i mean i, I can agree with um with t's point that like election night i didn't even do anything i sat here right at my computer and i had crowders stream up and some other streams and i just sat here with my headphones on watching the freakouts come in you know just watching the enraged the tweets shakening. the lacy green tweets the people freaking out the like all the panicked uh commentary of like well this state's still not in well there's no way he's gonna take that state or this state oh he took the entire Rust Belt and it's over. Good night. Like, it was I so awesome. I genuinely did bed. not think he was going to win. Like, 100%. I was like, I hope Neither. Hillary doesn't win, but I don't think Trump's going to win. So it's, yeah. Yeah, I, no the same way, I, I honestly didn't think it would happen. And I, I'm actually like the opposite. I, I have, I have bad anxiety sometimes. So I knew like election day, I was going to go into social media blackout and just not check anything. <laughs> I remember when I did check, first thing I looked at, uh, you know, was like Nevada and Colorado. And then once I saw like what happened with there, I was like, okay, that's it. It's over. Cause I didn't even imagine that he would, you know, take Pennsylvania and stuff like that. It was, it was a crazy night. Yeah. And I love it. How, like, I forget there was someone was saying like, yeah, the Pennsylvania racist like voted for him. And I was like, you know, that like they were the same people who voted for Obama eight years ago. Yeah. Like they've just noticed that nothing is happening that helps them. Like, yeah, like, everyone in Michigan and Wisconsin and Ohio and Pennsylvania, they all got really racist. Yeah. After <laughs> voting for Obama twice. Yeah. Then they got racist after that. Yeah. They, you know, they're fine with black people, but you know what? Hillary's a woman. So that automatically makes her unqualified. Right. Totally. I mean, I guess, I guess in some ways you could look at 2016 as the year the country became just super racist and super sexist. If you follow <laughs> the, you know, that's why Trump won mentality. Cause before that, you know, hope had won, we were good, but now, but now hope is dead. I think uh, Michelle Obama said sort of something to that effect. There, there is no hope left. Yeah. What? Well, Who there's... says that? Like, there's such a big backlash to being told what to do and being labeled. 
Like I, my entire political perspective has changed over the last year as someone who did vote for Obama twice, you know, but if you're going to keep twice, if you're gonna, yeah. If you're going to tell me what to do and you're going to tell me you will vote for Hillary or be a racist or a sexist, you're oh, yeah. label me and tell me what to do. All right. Well, I'll be a little rebellious here. Let's, uh, let's see if we can push your anger button a bit and vote Trump. There are a lot of people that did that. And my perspective has changed more beyond just trying to piss off SJWs. I've come to question basically everything that caused me to cast my votes the way I used to previously. But it's it's the it's the directive telling you what to do, and it's the labels assigned to you that really get you thinking. Like, don't tell me what to do. I'll do what I want, and I'll think for myself. You know. Yeah, that's yeah. something that um, <clears throat> that I've undergone as well in terms of actually like reflecting on why I hold my beliefs and why I disagree with certain things and certain ideas. I mean, I've expanded pretty far beyond, um, especially in terms of like SJWs and feminists and stuff. Um, I still disagree with them, but not like for really deeper, you know, uh, more pertinent philosophical reasons than Otherwise, when I was just like, oh, these guys are just annoying and they're just always triggered and shit like that. Like now I actually like have actually realized why I have issues with their philosophies. I'm trying to then I'm still learning, but I'm still trying to figure out, you know, where the primary disconnect is, you know, what principles they hold and how those principles, um, you know, misalign with mine and how they um, <clears throat> contradict my own. And which is why I don't think I can ever see eye to eye with them. Um and that, that's been pretty interesting for me personally, because, you know, it's it's, it's easy to say uh, these guys are stupid because they're annoying and because, you know, they're calling people racist and they're not racist. But it's different when you actually, you know, go deeper into it to try and understand where they're coming from. And what, I think once you understand where they're coming from, it um, it solidifies it better. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't get better. No, so it's, it actually solidifies the um, your disagreements with them and actually like makes it um makes your stance against them stronger mm -hmm. um at least for me that's how it happened yeah like when i was younger i had i still do have this friend who's a feminist but uh we were talking one time and we politics came up and it, it comes up quite a lot when i talk with people for some reason and uh it's one of those things you're supposed to not talk about <laughs> people told me not to do that so i always do it and uh she was like talking about feminism and how great it is and how much she loves it. So we're talking and uh, she brings up feminism and she brings this argument about how women make like 77 cents of the dollar and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty messed up. If wage that's gap. Yeah. She did say wage gap too. Yeah. I just don't <laughs> like saying that, but uh, she says it and I'm like, yeah, that's really messed up. And she brings up all these like points and she's like, yeah so like do you think that's okay and i was like no and then she's like well then you're a feminist too and like for like a solid month i actually was like okay maybe i am a feminist and then like back then i watched a lot of youtube well actually i watch less than i did now so that's besides the point so i like looked up some videos on feminism and i was like this doesn't seem very nice but they like they don't like they don't support these bad things um, I, I think that that whole mentality is so funny that I mean that that'd be like me saying I mean do you hate taxes like yes like do you believe in freedom yes then you're a republican like what no you're not it's a political <laughs> movement you, you can't do that it, yeah that that definition always uh yeah 
triggers. I mean, me. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I've even, even I don't, I don't want to get into fucking this, but even <laughs> um, like even like the most progressive of progressive, I don't know anybody who loves taxes. Like they, they may love the concept yeah. of taxes, but I don't know anybody who loves being taxed. Like they're just like I can't wait until the IRS yeah. gets more money. Like like I look forward to that more than my birthday, more than Christmas. Like come on, tax. You know who I bet you absolutely <laughs> adore taxes? Funny well, I think people, people who, who work in Washington, like, <laughs> yeah, right. people like George Soros, you know, the or even Michael Moore, people who like think everything should be redistributed. I, I don't understand because you can donate money to the government. You know, you can. So if you want to so much, you are you're totally free to do so. But I. Yeah, apparently yeah. they. Yeah, even the, even the people who profess to love taxes don't love it that much because they could be giving more than they are if they wanted to. The farthest I've heard them go, I remember Joe Biden saying, "Paying your tax, or I don't know, paying taxes is patriotic," or however he phrased it. Patriotic was the word that he used. But of all, there were a lot of stories, political stories that really bugged me this year. One of them was the the uh, Trump tax bombshell. That he only pays what he is required to after deductions. Dun dun dun. Oh my God. <laughs> oh no, not he that. Paid the minimum amount that is required by law. Yes, and this was supposed to be some big bombshell. And by the way, nobody, no, nobody, uh, none of the Democrats had any issue with those records being obtained uh, through improper means. But when Hillary's emails are obtained through improper means, that's the end of the world. That was another big. Um, How is that? Like, I think doesn't everyone do that? Like. Does you would it, think, and I never understood the obsession with getting the, I mean, I think he should have released them just for transparency's I sake agree. and because it ended up being more of an issue than it needed needed to be if he would have just released them. But I don't know what people were expecting to see from these tax returns because, you know, if, if this is something he sent to the IRS and the government has seen, obviously there's nothing illegal in them, right? I mean, because this is what he's fraudulent. reporting and declaring to the government. They right? can be fraudulent though. I mean, they, they could be, but even even then, like it, Trump, you know, as, as a billionaire, I'm sure he's been audited many times. I, I would imagine. Like, I don't, I don't know what you think you would get as a journalist that the United States government on this billionaire's tax return who owns this, you know, multi-billion-dollar corporation. You know what I mean? Like, because a, a lot of the people, when I would speak to them about it, that was their assumption that he was he was hiding it because he had broken the law, not just that you know he had done creative tax planning, but he had actually you know yeah. something criminal. I mean, is it fair to assume he was hiding something? Because there was a political cost to not release them, mm -hmm. whether it's minimal or not. I think it's fair to assume there was something he didn't want public. I don't. I can't say if it was criminal or not, obviously, but you know. Or maybe he just didn't feel like it was necessary. Like what? I mean, I think I think that was part of it too. I mean, he was he was like, once you're put on the spot and put under pressure to um, release your tax returns, like. I think I think it would have been a, a mistake for him politically to uh, to cave to that and you know just yeah like, uh, okay okay you guys you guys I mean um, Hillary didn't release her emails <laughs> <laughs> well maybe, maybe Trump maybe Trump you no know, accidentally deleted his tax return maybe, <laughs> yeah, yeah they were on the same server, server. Yeah, yeah I I kept my tax return on a private server it's gone now <laughs> there is something to that though where um kind of tradition or you know whatever basically political pressure dictates trump must do something and he just throws up a middle finger and people like it He's yeah it was, i know that's what He's i was that thinking like, like why should he have to do that and well, I, I, I would say he wants. i don't i don't know if i don't know if hillary had the same thing to where 
I don't I don't really think there was really any demands of Hillary like that. I mean, it's, except for those of the right and the like to release your emails and shit. But I mean, everybody ignored that pretty much. Um, or they had the, the the health records even. Yeah, but but other than that, I don't, I don't think there were really any pertinent demands made for Hillary to um, at least that I saw that that she. You know what really do. pissed me off? Do you guys watch John Oliver? Hell no. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I do. I actually enjoy some of his videos because even if they do have some misinformation in them, they tend to be pretty funny and I like them. So deal with it. But he had this video about Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. And it was about how Hillary Clinton's foundation had gotten a like $10 million donation from Russia before her department signed off on them getting a mine that's like the richest plutonium mine in the world. Like, she got this $10 million donation to her charity, like, I think it was two weeks before they, like, signed off on this. And the guy, John Oliver, was he's very left, and I can't really blame him for trying to rationalize, but he's like, these other seven different committees also had to sign off on it so this can't be something that was like pay to play but it's like well why does it matter if other people had to sign off on it like if they're paying this party to agree to it why can't they pay the other people to agree to it why does it matter that there's like seven like seven coin slots you have to put coins in and they all have to be lit green like why does one being like I don't get it like he was trying to make this argument and then he was talking about how trump was so evil how one of his charities uh bought a painting at an auction of him and put it he put it in one of his restaurants which i mean that that's it's pretty yeah. vain and pretty scummy i mean but honestly like it's it's stupid painting that no one really I, cares I about i remember that episode and i think that was just another example of the like i don't know manufactured indignancy that we see a lot of the times, you know, with all these political narratives, like, you know, you, you see someone doing something and it's not that bad. No one really cares. We have to, you know, at least put up a front of being like, can you believe that this happened? This is crazy. Like, let's, uh, Oh, which brings me to the, the last thing that I wanted to talk about tonight, if it's okay with you guys. And Matt, I know you did the, a video on this and I thought it was really great. Uh, the moral outrage over Milo Yiannopoulos' new book deal. Hmm. Um, (laughs) that I have been like, uh, lulling about pretty hardly. And, you know, just, I guess for context, for context, uh, Milo Yiannopoulos, I think it's a quarter of a million dollar book deal with Simon and Schuster. And of course, every celebrity on Twitter is really upset. Um, you know, just for comparison's sake. But Leslie Jones is very okay with it. She's very accepting of it. (laughs) Sorry? I said Leslie Jones, I heard, was very accepting of it. She was very glad yeah, she was, that he... Oh, yeah. Milo's even bigger platform than he already does. But for, for, for every, you know, everything they're saying about how this promotes hate and it's going to lead to people dying, I think we should all remember that Mein Kampf is currently still in publication. And um, it's being sold on Amazon. Don't forget that. Right. It's actually... It, it, it continues to be a bestseller in a lot of ways. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see anyone trying to boycott the publishers that publish that. No, of course not. Well, who, 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 um, well, the publishers probably, but I was going to say who, um, who was the original publisher of Mind Comp, but, um, I don't know. Yeah, 
don't know. You're going, we can check. I mean, but is that? Yeah, I'm not, well, I'm not, I don't think that's the, pertinent, though. I mean, yeah. The bigger question is, uh, do you really want to be on the side of effectively book burning? I mean, the left has, <laughs> they've got to that point now of progressive fascism. I mean, like, if you're an intellectual opponent of Milo's, this should be a gift to you. This is a book to rip apart. This is, this is some, this is a chance to take him on to, to take his words and scrutinize them word for word and rip it apart. If you disagree with it, and then you can show that your ideas are better. Yeah. But it's the not thing is, I think deep down, like if you look in there, like heart of hearts, like my little pony, we go all the way down. They know their ideas aren't better. And that's the problem. Yeah, yeah, they're they're not open to um, competition in regards to their ideas, so they they have to resort to shaming these things and you know, like trying to get but, them, they make they make them become social outcasts. And yeah. the other thing is, like, if I'm trying to actively keep something down, just don't talk about it. Correct. Like, why do you want to I- stry sand everything? Like. Everything these days is, oh, I'm offended at X, Y, and Z. Here's a link. Yeah. That's why his book gets to number one on Amazon. As shocking as Milo is, too. I mean, I think he says some outrageous things, and they're meant to be outrageous. But still, the things that he's called are not proportionate to what he actually says. Um, yeah, I mean, when you this... think about it, like in the grand scheme of things, like in the grand scheme of the internet, which which like is infinite, Milo isn't all that edgy. No, he's not. <laughs> no. He's not. He's not that edgy. I remember when um, he insulted Leslie Jones, which she is pretty stupid. But uh, I decided to like look at some of his stuff before his Twitter got taken down, and I was like, you know, like, no, no, it was after his Twitter got taken down. But I like read through all of his tweets that were available i was like this guy isn't that bad like he barely says anything i'd care about like yeah he's he's good at he's a strong entertainer um but in terms of like like you know creating a subtle uprising of white nationalism and you know hatred (laughs) and bigotry and stuff come on really yeah the guy subtle subtle white nationalist uprising by day black boyfriend by night that is the life of milianopolis but you know so you talked about understanding their position earlier t the position a lot of them are taking um the celebrities included is not no he shouldn't be banned from having a book we dispute the size of the deal we dispute paying him quarter million dollars whatever i love this idea though that you sitting at your desk or whatever like we're doing you should be able to determine the value of this commodity like oh i don't think it's worth that so it should be less well you know what the market will determine that and he's yeah. a big name guy he's gonna get a lot of sales yeah and I mean, it's just dumb. who got paid to make ghostbusters 2 really shouldn't be talking about things value <laughs> yeah, well yeah but you know if, if he was a guy like you said if he was ignored the value of the book is very low because no one wants to read it start ignoring yeah, and I think that that whole concept of I don't think this is worth it, therefore it is not worth it. And it, it just shows a fundamental, you know, misunderstanding or lack of knowledge about, you know, like the how the market works. And it's something I hear a lot about with a, anything to do with wage discrepancy. Like, you know, the CEO makes tens of millions of dollars. What they do isn't worth that. It's like, do you do you have any idea what they do? What the competition for their job is? You know, 
you know, yada, yada, yada. And people say Milo's just a troll, but at the same time, he's the most famous troll I can think of. He's the only one that can get that kind of attention and make that kind of statement. So, I mean, he has the, the market on monopoly on, I guess, high fashion trolling right now. And that's another thing that um, that was pretty important in um, 2016, like the expansion or I don't want to say creation because it was kind of already there, but it blew up the expansion for a market for offending people. Like, mm. like the people are making a career out of it now. It, yeah. It's, it's so, do you guys remember Microsoft's little AI? Yeah. Yeah. Hey. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some things yeah. are just too beautiful that was, that was, for this world. I was, I was so sad to see Tango. Like, <laughs> like she was, she, <laughs> she was almost about to red pillars on Hillary's health. Like <laughs> you would have given it like, a, like another month. <laughs> Yeah, I don't get why. Like, why did someone buy her? Like, okay, Notch, if you're listening, buy Tay, <laughs> allow her to be free, please. Uh, Actually, yeah. like, why doesn't he do that? He has enough money too. Like, come on, Notch. But that would have been really cool to see take off. Like to just like to just it, it would like not it would just be good to see who has the most influence online in terms of, you know, uh, cultural manipulation. Because Tay, you know, like the left likes to think they have a monopoly on um, culture, especially online, that they're like, oh, we're, we're the hip media generation, you know? But but in reality, they're, they're not really making too many waves or splashes like that. So, and, and it was shown with Tay when, you know, when Tay wasn't really talking about, you know, intersectional feminism and checking their privilege, he was talking about, you know, how many Jews really need to be gas for a to prosper. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, I, I mean I, we've all known this, that, that the most, you know, the most awful, you know, vile elements of the Internet are the ones that are, you know, the loudest and the ones that get the most attention because the Internet is the overall. Yeah, anger place. spreads fastest. Yeah. Everything. And it, it, was, it was just fun to see. It was fun to watch. Didn't it only take her like 12 hours to become like, <laughs> absolutely horrible? Yeah, like, like full nasty, like like overnight. Yeah. My question is... That a, is, an interesting like Age of Ultron, you know, parody. <laughs> intergalactic AI that becomes sentient and, you know, gains consciousness he learns to just, you know, the most awful, like, uh, anti-Semitic, misogynistic, alt-right troll personality ever. That'd be terrifying. Any yeah. filmmakers or screenwriters, if you're watching, please make this. Yeah, just make, like, the exact same movie of Age of Ultron, but just switch Tay out for Ultron. That and that's another bad. thing, I'll, um, in, relation, in regards to Milo's book, um, additionally, that I'll give him credit for, is... Milo, you know, whether you like him or not, whether you agree with him or not, um, he has been a incredibly valuable asset for for the right, especially in terms of the rising popularity of the right among um, millennials and younger people, um, particularly his um, dangerous faggot tour. <laughs> yeah, he, he's kind of like broken, like shattered the glass ceiling, if you will of, you know, right-wing commentary to actually come onto campus. You know, I, th I think 2017, I mean, 2016, we've already seen the rest of, the, they, they, were they were struggling hard, you know, to try and maintain their monopoly on, on campuses, you know, 
I think I think in 2017 that's going to that's going to come to an end. I I, thought, I don't think they're going to be able to maintain it anymore. And I think Did any of you like? Any of you ever think about how like crazy it is that people are kicked off of campus because people don't agree with their ideas? Yeah, Do you and mean it, like students or visitors? No visitors. Uh, the, and, well, well, and students. It happens with both. But I like, remember Shapiro at DePaul earlier. Oh yeah, that was that was insanity. I mean, DePaul is full blown insanity too. By the way, some of the coverage of Milo's book. Uh, quickly on this, the, the, if you remember the DePaul incident when he when his tour went there, mm-hmm. and uh, what's basically Black Lives Matter protesters stormed the stage, took it over. DePaul wouldn't call them off, wouldn't intervene, just let them take over the event. There was a CNN article covering Milo's book saying that, how did it characterize that? It said, Milo said he wanted the, he wanted protesters arrested and told them he had sex with their boyfriend or their, their brothers. <laughs> and it was like, you forgot the part where they stormed the stage, took his mic and took over the event by force. Of course he wanted them arrested because they were interrupting the event. And the joke was prompted by their rage directed at him and their physical threats to him conveniently uh, omitted. And I know the CNN author had to be dishonest too, because you think did did you actually watch the footage of the event? Is that how you got the the misperception? Well, how do you know about the specific joke if you didn't watch the footage? She had to watch the footage, ignore what happened, and then characterize it in that way, which is pretty unbelievable. Yeah, and and going back to um, just revisiting Black Lives Matter really quickly um, in relation to that, e- even even though like like we like we were trying to speculate, you know, are some of their protests peaceful? Even the protests that are peaceful. They're not productive, you know. <laughs> even if even if they're even if they're not like smashing windows or, or robbing gas stations or you know um, burning or, you know, beating people stores. or burning liquor stores or ga- yeah whatever. No, just local stores, not liquor. Stores. Oh yeah, local stores. They, yeah, they don't burn the liquor store. They they. they <laughs> <those out. laughs> whoa, 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 don't burn that. Yeah, they have they have a beef with Quick Trip for some reason though. I don't know what that's about, huh. but. Even even when they're not they're not being um, belligerent or violent, they're still being like civil disobedient and civilly disobedient in the most annoying fashions, you know, like like silencing people, you know, um, silencing speech, like like going to Milo thing, shutting him down, taking his mic, um, causing commotion, um, blocking highways and traffic. And, oh you know, my gosh! So they do nothing to actually persuade people to want to be yeah. on their side, and, and that's do the we, number one reason they lost me, man. Just speaks to how how weak their argument is because I, I think it was you know in in Baltimore I think it was you know uh, the Black Lives Matter protests that happened there in response to the deaths you, you had black cops a uh, black chief of police I think I you know I think a black mayor under a black president uh, it's like I, you know say this this institutional racism is happening like what are your specific plans to fix it and you know aside from releasing this crazy manifesto that's that's never happening because i feel like you know the, the response would be more people of color in these power like positions of power which there seem to be a lot of in this area so like i'm not i'm not quite sure what you're hoping to accomplish with this rioting specifically right now no no but the rioting where they like go on highways really pisses me off because i read this article uh, well, it was an article. It was a post on Immigr, but it had links to an article. That's the and- same as an article <laughs> on <laughs> okay. the internet. Okay, so it was uh, this ambulance driver talking about how pissed off he was that these assholes were standing on the effing highway, is what he said. And uh, it was because there was a call they got 
and like it was either like this father died because they couldn't get to him in time because they had to take a 45 minute detour around these assholes that are standing on the highway. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. I think, you know, so much of these protests there, and I'm not against protests, but a lot of the, you know, the aggression we see is misplaced outrage and just, you know, random acts of violence that are kind of meant to act as venting frustration toward an, I don't know, I think somewhat imagined enemy. But yeah, yeah. I, I think that uh, that'll probably about wrap it up for this stream. But before we go, I did want to mention to everybody... Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to interject one more thing. Um, just, just, just briefly. I want to get you guys take on it. Um, I, I know we um, visited um, across the pond, Britain, for a brief second, and we talked about the um, the good thing that happened there, which was Brexit. But I'm curious. Um, it would it wouldn't be a good stream if we don't end on a um, you know depressing negative note. So you betcha, baby. Let's so go. what what's you guys' um, thoughts in relation to the migrant crisis going forward in 2017? They need to kick them out. Like, honestly, no, my family is from Italy and we have a house there and uh, it's a small house, but uh, it's in Sicily, not in like main Italy. And people will like show up on boats on the beach. And it's just like, what, what do you do? And then on top of that, other people are shipped down there who like, they're just like, they're not nice people. They're not helping society. They're just sitting in their hotel rooms getting paid. They get 30 or 40 euros a day. They get cigarettes because they need those and a cell phone. And I'm not talking like a crappy one. I'm talking like they get, I saw some of them walk around with like Samsung galaxies. And I don't think it was the S7, the one that was exploding. Like they get the ones that actually work. <laughs> and, Good thing they don't have the exploding ones, right? Yeah. And Everyone there is just livid because these people work really hard and to get like 30 euros a day down there, it's like it, there's a financial issue in that area, but that's not the point where like they have to work their asses off to make anywhere near what these people make. And these people just like do nothing and they rob people and they commit crimes and they have to be guarded by the military because if they weren't, the townspeople would literally drag them out and murder them. And it's not creating a good social environment for anybody. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm of the opinion that, I mean, I'm not some, I, I'm pretty, pretty, pretty libertarian and I'm about as right as I can go. I know a lot of people are like, oh, you're a centrist. And I, I even some people think I'm liberal still, but yeah, she's not uh, I, 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 I don't think there's any legitimate you know, form of government. I think government should protect to, I mean, should exist to protect our rights, the rights of its citizens specifically. And I just don't see how importing refugees accomplishes or contributes to that goal in any way, shape or form. So I don't think it's the government's place to, you know, take these people from this other country and bring them over for humanitarian reasons. And if, if you start with the premise that, you know, your country should exist to, I don't know, like, taken people who have it worse then places like the United States and the West in general are, are just going to be come overcrowded because I mean pretty much every other country has it worse in at least some way and even though the refugee problem started off as you know like oh they're fleeing from war in, in the United States or even I think John Oliver mentioned that a lot of them 
are fleeing economic stagnation, which I didn't think was a legitimate to become a refugee. <laughs> that sounded very yeah. anti-refugee. <laughs> well, I don't know how you can look at what's going on in Europe and you don't have to be anti-refugee, but I think you can look at Europe and say, yeah, whatever you guys are doing policy wise isn't working. Um, so, and I get, you're trying to be big hearted and you're trying to be good global citizens and I get your motives might be nice, but you are harming your own people quite apparently. Um, I would be, I'm curious maybe, um, for your perspective on this T cause I feel I'm someone who I think I'm trending more towards a libertarian perspective from what I know of you. You are a champion of the libertarian perspective, if that's correct. Can you explain to me why there's this wedge in the libertarian community on the, maybe not refugees, but just migration generally? Because I, I hear some, I, I paid attention to some of the libertarian candidates this, this time around. Mm -hmm. um, and, the, and, and I hear like open borders talk from libertarian candidates. Why? And alternatively, um, I'd just be curious what your position is on it. Yeah, my, my position has, has changed quite dramatically um, since, since last year. Um, I, I used to be a pretty strong open borders advocate. Hmm. Um, and in principle, I still am um, in, in regards to, I, I believe that um, voluntary migration among consenting parties should be free, whether that be in regards to um, movement in terms of um, you know, settlement in terms of like finding new place to live or in terms of labor, job transfers and all that good stuff, transfers of goods and services. I think that um, that the free um, like borders should be subject to a um, free and open marketplace, such as you know, any capitalist institution. But the reason that I've gone pretty full circle and have I'm, I'm really I'm really now almost, you know, like borderline like screw it close the borders completely hmm. like no immigration build the wall yeah build, like build the wall fuck yeah. it <laughs> I'll, I'll pay the tax I'll, I'll, I'll take the l on that one um and that's because you know and again maybe maybe i maybe i do like bashing the left but there and it's, it's the right as well they, they contributed too there is no um free marketplace in regards to immigration there, there is hmm. there is absolutely no um, aspect of immigration that's that's um, subject to the free market anymore. When yeah. when they come over, it help the citizens. Yeah, it, it's not helpful to the citizens. They're they're not um, they're not properly educated, especially in terms of um, like African and um, Islamic migrants in Europe. They don't speak um, English. They don't assimilate to the culture. They don't um, know the laws. They don't know the laws. They don't respect the laws. When they come over, you know, the police who who especially in um, Europe, you know, that's that's pretty much Europeans only so, um, course of action in terms of, um, you know, preventing crimes because they, they've been stripped of their Second Amendment. So they're um, subject to relying on the police to actually prevent these crimes. And the police are ignoring the crimes, um, actually abetting the crimes by, yeah. you know, um, giving giving um, passes and stuff like that. They're they're um, they're basically attacks because, you know, like I said, they're not producing any economic um, value. They're being subsidized involuntarily. Um, they're actually being um, subsidized to come. So there's an incentive for them to come. Um, that that's not um, relative to free market. They're not, you know, incentivized to come based on, you know, wanting to actually pursue a better life, wanting to actually, you know, hustle and actually work hard like like early European immigrants to America did. Um, and I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, like settlers. I'm talking about in regards to, um, you know, like, um, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. that good stuff. And, you know, it immigration is is, is um, 
it's a cronious market. And you know, hmm. if if you're a libertarian, if if you believe in any principles of free market capitalism, immigration as it stands, I mean, as a principle, immigration, I'm fine with it. I, I want people to come over and provide value. I want to be able to, um, you know, trade with these other people. But especially in terms of um, human labor, but as it stands right now, it's a um, it's a crony capitalist market, and you know, you can't you can't in good faith support more of that. And it's funny that you mentioned, you know, if immigration was free market, because, you know, if the states actually had a competitive system, they would say, look, we're going to let in so many immigrants per year. Everyone send us, you know, your, your information. Your best and we will of let your in, best. Yeah, we yeah. will let in the people who have Yeah, the we most talked degree. about it before and you were like. The, 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 the best jobs, like the, the, the most money in your bank account, you know, the, the youngest, you know, all of that. And of the crop because i mean obviously the united states is probably one of the most desirable places to immigrate to but instead there's a system and i mean i always go off on tangents on immigration it hits close to home but uh you know there, there's the system now where we just reward the i mean whoever who whoever your you know your family members are your immediate family which accounts for nothing in terms of how you actually adapt to the country we you know, have programs in place that would actually prioritize people from other countries over, you know, people who are suffering in, in your own country. And I think the, the idea of taking in refugees when you still have, you know, homeless veterans on the street is a good example of that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. But I, I don't know what's, I don't know what's gonna um, go on with Europe going forward. I mean, I, I wish them the best, but, and the other thing is, um, the other reason that I've, I've migrated more towards um, closed borders, one, one, um, another one I didn't mention, um, Matt, is that, you know, if you think about it, you know, the ideal situation, um, at least, at least from libertarian perspective, would be privatized borders, you know, private property and people, people deciding what, what to do with their property and who to allow to cross. Because in reality, like it, you can't really have a society based on open borders in any um, realistic um, aspect. Because borders are what dis define property. Borders are what are basically the foundation that maintains peace between individuals. Mm -hmm. if, if there are no borders, at least in, in um, conceptual principles, you know, then I can I can run through your house and you know at whim. And if you try to stop me, then then you're um, you're probably a racist bigot. Right, but, of course. <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to let all the refugees in. But the other one of my is, friends was tweeting that on Christmas, like every progressive needs a Syrian refugee as a Christmas present. That, yeah. that should be the rule. <laughs> And ho hopefully you get a cute one, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, like, that's another thing. If you really just, like, care about these refugees so much, like, think of them as, like, uh, boarding students or whatever. Like, uh, I said that totally wrong. But, like, just, like, take one in and just, like, have them, like, this is. Yeah. Well, there is totally a not in my backyard attitude on it. And, and it's, you know, we get back into virtue signaling, but it's like, oh, yes, let them all in and they can live down in <laughs> yeah. that neighborhood down there or, you know, in the other state over there. It's, it's never right here in my own home. And then and it's like um, all those celebrities threatening to, like, oh, you know, those Trump supporters hate Mexicans. I'm going to move to Canada. Like, oh, dude, honey, no, it's not my you know, interesting. You said that, and I. I can't wait till she does. Like, can she also give up her U.S. citizenship? Because nah, they're all frauds. They're not going. I know they're bitches, but come on. Like, could we at least get rid of Amy Schumer? Like, Would you rather get rid of Amy Schumer or Elena Dunham if you could only pick one? Oh, God. You know, okay. 
this question <laughs> will take way too long to get into the pros and cons there. <laughs> Amy, Amy Schumer, I, like Amy, I think she has had moments of funniness. I want to Lena see Dunham has never done anything. If I want to see Barbie might no. be her redeeming moment. No, no that Barbie movie that <laughs> would like I just I dislike both of them as people, but Amy Schumer's face bothers me more. And there's there's no you don't like no that triangular smile. That. <laughs> no, I I like the the was it like the uh, Voldemort lips like. <laughs> oh, that was pretty good actually. That does look pretty <laughs> yeah, close. That's right. So am I to yeah. interpret this as you appreciate Lena Dunham's face? <laughs> right. That, that is exactly how I meant it. Uh, that is true. Lena okay. Dunham is a, I don't know, a modern day Cindy Crawford. At Got least you compared on the to Amy Schumer in my opinion. Okay. You know, Cindy Crawford's still good looking. Like, why are people like modern day Cindy Crawford? Like, she's still. Because this, this is, Lena Dunham isn't just Cindy Crawford now. She was like Cindy Crawford in her prime, which is, you know. Even I see where you're coming from. Like, Totally. Like, I just need to go gouge my eyes out. <laughs> Made me think about both of those people at the same time. Yeah. And, oh, didn't Leslie Jones also say she'd leave? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know that. about Leslie Jones. Um, oh, She's who, still on SNL, though, isn't she? She'd have to stay yeah. here for that game. Who's the one that, um, that everybody hates? Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah. Like, she also said it. Like, you're dealing with, like, we could get rid of like some of the worst people creatively in our country if they just like but did what they said they would. Didn't Morgan Freeman also say that though? I like him. No, There's I think it was Samuel like Jackson. 100. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, Samuel okay. L. Yeah. Sam Jackson, I do like as well though. I don't know. Oh well. I feel like know, if small, we could do like international celebrity <laughs> trade-off. That would be what, like, it's like a game show. Everyone votes, like, from the different countries what celebrities they want to take in and, you know, reject. Yeah. Well, it was interesting what you were saying earlier about uh, selecting kind of the most qualified or the, the, the immigrants that we believe are most likely to succeed in this country. And I, I totally believe we have the right to do that. But you know, one of the classic memes of this year, too, is there's certainly a demand for people to come to America, rightfully so. It's a land of great opportunity. But we're supposed to believe that all of these immigrants or refugees or people c coming from other countries are saying, well, can't wait to go to America and go be oppressed. I can't wait to be pushed <laughs> down by the white man when we get there. I mean, that's what we're supposed to believe, apparently. The thing is that that's, that's also why that why the left doesn't notice this. But this is why that they're actually, you know, harming any prospects of, you know, um, free flow of immigration into um, into the West period because they're constantly pushing this idea. And this is where I agree with the all right a little bit, even though. Whoa, you know, whoa, whoa. Did yeah, you yeah. The, the, L, <laughs> the alt word? Oh, no, bro. Like, yeah, I know, right? Unless it's on your keyboard, you aren't allowed to like. <laughs> yeah, that that's, you don't say alt at all. Yeah, yeah, I'm a race trader. But, uh, but, but I mean, it makes sense, you know, from, from their perspective, you know, um, if, if you're constantly having this cultural narrative being pushed that, you know, white people are all racist, they all hate, um, you know, Latinos and blacks and, you know, immigrants and whatever, um, uh, Muslims and whatnot. And you bring, and you're bringing these people into this culture, you know, where, where they're constantly being bombarded by, you know, claims of, you know, how this whole group of people in this country hate you. Yeah. How, how does that, how does that assist in assimilation? How does that make them, you know, want to become, you know, better citizens? How does that build a, um, a good social framework, you know, for society? It, 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 there's, there's no, um, 
there's no positive um, outlook in regards right at this moment in time for immigration. And that's really unfortunate because there's so many people who, who, who do deserve to come over, in my opinion, and would be um, great in terms of, um, you know, adding, uh, contributing to um, America and expanding our society. Uh, I, I'm not an ethnostatist and all that shit. So I, I think I think there's plenty of people who could come over and um, help and assimilate well and, you know, help build America to, um, to be even greater than it is, you know, from any cultural background. But right now, it's just not feasible. Now, Roman, you said that you had a problem with the family-oriented uh, like stance that America has had on immigration. And I see where you're coming from, but for the time when that was in place and it still is in place but when it was enacted it was because the people who were coming over wanted to bring their families with them and their families tend to work pretty damn hard like i know some right, people but that's, who, that's not the which is a better indicator of whether you will work hard who you're related to or your work history okay so okay. i know some this guy came over and uh he's a muslim just, wait, you, in general, just, that's not a good way to that's not a good way to vet someone. I know it's not a good way to vet someone, but like America has had its like it's a work it has worked for a long time, this system. And I think it is currently not effective. But let me finish this example. This guy comes over with his family. Uh well, he comes over, works, brings his whole family over, and there's like eight people in his family. So uh, one becomes a doctor, one becomes a dentist. Two of the brothers start their own business. They're multimillionaires in the manufacturing and uh, retail this, business. Anecdotal. It's like the illegal immigrant who comes over and, you know, ends up curing cancer. Therefore, it's it's okay. You I know, know, but the thing is, this is like, this is a pattern in American immigration where you've had people but it's who not a pattern. had Nowadays, It's not a pattern anymore. Are a strain on the economy right now, which is which is too bad, and they they don't need to be. You have countries like, you know, Australia, where they, they actually take into account the skills you have when they're granting you know permission to to work and live in their country, and you you see that working out much better. The, the term immigrant in the United States has become synonymous with low skilled worker, you know, and uneducated, which I think is an anomaly in, in a lot of but it in a lot of countries. Used to be is the thing, like. I think I think in a lot of ways it, it always it always was because there's no controlling for skill level when you're just asking who who you're related to at all. Well, you see, right? coming to America every, used to be a lot harder, like to get the money coming, to uh, coming well, to the states has. I mean, at least for Canadians, I think it used to be a lot easier. It's actually getting oh, okay, harder yeah. now. You're and, dealing with the country that's I mean, literally it, right on top. Of America. No, but like, I mean, even for, you know, for Mexicans to come legally, if you're related, it's, it's still hard. I'm not saying that, you know, it, it's easy to come to the States for whoever, but right now you have a system in place where in a lot of ways, the only, the only possible options are to be related to someone. And I know tons of Canadians, for example, who, you know, are college graduates working good jobs who would love to be able to move to the U.S., but, you know, they're told, well, you probably should find someone to marry because that's really the only option that's available to you. I, I'm I'm a hundred percent serious. You have, you know, people with postgraduate degrees being told, yeah, go go marry someone and, you know, wait in line with 
these people who don't speak English because apparently your skills mean nothing to the United States immigration. I think that the issue is that skills are becoming an issue. And like that's the problem because it used to be to come to America and to bring your whole family there, you had to like pay for a plane ticket, which wasn't cheap back. I'm talking like 50 years it's ago. Still, it's still expensive. Like the, the green card application I just finished doing, it was thousands of dollars. And actually I, I just found out that I have to pay an, an extra 165 for the actual card. Like the, the little like Is this on top of the top. other like hundred and something you would to pay? For yes. Like yeah. They, they, wow. Yeah. They, <laughs> You love to, I swear Beyonce must be doing the paperwork, but yeah. Anyway, so, I mean, it's still, it's still very expensive. And I think the reason they do that is somewhat so they can assure that you at least have, you know, this many funds, but, you know, happening to have this amount of cash, it's still not a, a way to indicate what your work ethic will be in the country. And I think it's, there was an article, uh, I think it was the Heritage Foundation or something like that every immigrant who comes to the United States without a high school degree costs taxpayers tens of thousands of dollars each year. So it's, it's actually a really big problem. And I mean, it's, it's strange for me to say this because like, I, I'm just getting to the United States as a permanent resident, but like I, the whole, you know, putting a halt on immigration, I can see why people want it because it hasn't been uh, beneficial to the U S. So once you get in, then, then we build the wall. <laughs> right. Then like, then the wall can go up. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm grandfathered in, so I'm good. You don't know about that. We knew someone who uh, owned a pizza shop, and he, uh, someone had used the phone. He hadn't been involved in it, but someone had used the phone at his pizza shop to uh, do something involving drugs, like schedule pickup or something, and they had traced it back to his pizza shop. So he was put in jail. And they were like, you can either A, plead guilty, or B, stay in jail. And so he stayed in jail for a while. And then eventually he pled guilty because they told him that he wouldn't be deported. And he got deported because it was right after 9-11. And they were like, yep, zero tolerance, too bad. I mean, I, it's hard to like be upset about someone getting deported if they were there illegally, in my opinion. No, no, they were here legally. How, so how were they deported? They had a green card. They were married. They had committed a felony, technically, so they were deported. I'm not sure what... Uh... Yeah, I'm not sure if that's legal. They got deported, sure. so... I mean, yeah, I know, but like, the, well, they're here exactly. on a green card and they commit a felony. And I think, I think, I think you are um, subject to deportation depending on the um, severity of it. But I'm Is not sure. Being I'm not sure because I, I know, like, you can commit a crime and have no documentation whatsoever, and they'll still imprison you instead of deporting you, Wait, which what? I don't think they should do. Yeah, why do they pay for? Ask, ask California. It's a mystery to us all. Oh, this is in California? Oh, yeah, never mind. That makes perfect sense. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a different case. Yeah, yeah, California is its own little thing of crazy people. Yeah, ho hopefully we got that little shred still hanging on. Hopefully that might just 
rupture in an earthquake in 2017. Fall into just, the sea. Yeah, we, we can just be like, okay. <laughs> Hopefully Blair yeah. and Chris can get over in time, Ruben. And just, we need to work on just red pilling the entire state. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> red pilling in California. <laughs> Gonna happen, I feel positive. Um, but anyway, yeah, I think uh, I think that'll wrap it up for tonight. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming on. And I know two of you were kind of sick or had colds, so I really appreciate it. And yeah. uh, thank you, everyone, for watching. Do you guys want to say goodbye? Uh, yeah. No? Okay. I, I do. Goodbye. Thanks for hosting <laughs> me. I apologize for my voice, but I had a wonderful time with all of you nonetheless. So thanks for that. Likewise, um, thanks for having me on. Glad it was a, it was a great conversation, and looking forward to all of you guys' content um, in the new year. Yes, yeah. Um, I had a great time. Thank you for allowing me to be on, and uh, great meeting you all. Yeah, and remember, everyone who's watching, their the links to their channels are in the description. If you haven't already subscribed, I highly recommend you do. All right, I'll see you guys next time. Bye.